0: Hello and welcome to Pit Stop. I am Jordan Dallas Coleman. I am not joined this week by Tyler. Unfortunately, Tyler is unable to be with us. We wish him all the best and a speedy recovery. Uh, He will be back shortly. He'll be back for the Belgian Grand Prix. Don't you worry. It's perfectly fine. Just not well enough to record a podcast this evening. Uh, But I do wish him a speedy and quick recovery as I'm sure all of you listeners out there do. So you are stuck with me all alone. But as I say, he'll be back for the Belgian Grand Prix. Don't you worry. He sent on some notes. I'll try to get him in there, Tyler, but eh, no promises. Look, we had a very busy and very exciting Hungarian Grand Prix this last weekend. That is what we are here to talk about today uh, at the Hungaro ring. It's always interesting, it's always got a couple of wrinkles to it. And this weekend was no exception. The biggest and most exciting part of the weekend came right off the bat Saturday morning. Lots of teams with upgrades, including Red Bull, and it was interesting just to see how it was going to shift and change. This is a very different circuit than what we saw at Silverstone recently or um, what we've seen, you know, as teams have started to bring in their, their, their packages. And we've seen McLaren obviously jump up, have some great success. But it was really a question mark coming where these teams would shake out, who was going to take another step forward, who was going to stand pat. And we saw some of that. So let's get through all of that. As I say, uh, qualifying for me, there's a couple storylines. Obviously, Hamilton on poles, a big piece of it. Um, but coming into this race, we do have to start with the news that broke between races. We 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 kind of were were so on the ball. Tyler was so on the ball last week, um, or two weeks ago, with his predictions or with his. I guess it, technically, we instead of doing like box box box, we. Let Tyler just ask, uh, bring up a couple rumors, and in doing so, he brought up a rumor about Daniel Ricardo taking over at Alpha uh, Alpha Tori. And of course, less than twelve hours later, it was no longer a rumor; it was fact; it was the truth. Um, he steps in. Nick Devries is out. Daniel Ricardo is in, much to the uh, joyous, rapturous applause of longtime listener Maddie and also I'm sure the producers at Netflix and drive to survive because Daniel Ricardo has been their darling their big star right from the beginning he was one of the breakout stars of that show in season one, uh, and he grew a lot more fans through that process and I think that not having him in the sport. um was fine in some ways, but having him back in the sport, you can see the like value add for certain demographics that he brings. He's a very popular guy online and he definitely, this news was met with great um excitement. Why did he get the seat? Well, he got the seat because he had a fantastic couple of months working behind the scenes for Red Bull in the simulator. They saw that he was still capable of driving at a high level. They gave him a, a test at Silverstone following the last race on a in the Red Bull that they're currently racing. And he was able to put in laps equal to, or or just about equal to Max Verstappen's qualifying time for Silverstone, which convinced them that in the same piece of machinery as the two-time world champion, he was able to drive at an exceptionally high standard. And that was evidence enough to at least helmet Marco um, that he, he was ready to get back in, in the game. They gave him an opportunity to do so obviously at their smaller sister team at Alpha. Tori, not with Red Bull, but he of course will have his eye set on Sergio Perez's seat at Red Bull. So that's a story that we will continue to see develop. He also uh, both out qualified and uh, ended up with better result than his teammate. That probably will be all we talk about with Daniel Ricciardo today, um, except maybe for the very beginning of the race. But yeah, a good, good storyline going into the race. That was sort of the big one. Um, but as I said, qualifying, wow. Uh, talk about like skin of his teeth, Lewis Hamilton hooks up a fantastic final lap. Uh, He and Russell had struggled all weekend long, just trying to get that car balanced, right? Get it to do what it wanted to do. And Russell obviously knocked out in Q1, didn't even make it through. So um, fantastic result for Lewis to edge off Max and a bit of a reminder of what we used to see far too often with Max and Lewis next to each other on the starting uh boxes for the grid and that's where we started our race so then we jump into the race itself um and immediately uh hamilton's overtaken by max and then he's overtaken by both norris and piastri and that is where i wanted to start so we talked in the last couple of races about how McLaren has somehow absolutely turned their season around. They figured out what was not right. They've got the downforce now where they want it. They had a fantastic Silverstone obviously hitting the podium with Norris. And now they find themselves on lap 2 of the Hungarian Grand Prix running 2 and 3. Uh Piastri 2, Norris 3 respectively chasing down the you know soon to be crowned again world champion in Max Verstappen with Lewis Hamilton chasing um, just phenomenal turn for phenomenal start and just exciting to see. Nice also to see that both those drivers driving at a very competitive level to each other and that the car is doing fantastic stuff, which was pretty awesome. Um, difficult start for, for Hamilton, obviously very frustrating. I'm sure to be down to fourth off the first turn, um, but that's where he ends up getting um, Verstappen. Uh, Maybe pushing Lewis a little wide at that first corner, but that's what opened the door Um no contact. So I think it was clean. It was, you know, what you want to see in the first lap is aggressive racing and give Mac credit. He got the jump on him, but it opened the door for those uh, McLarens to climb in and just overtake Lewis. And that was the day for Lewis at that point. Like he just with the full fuel load, that Mercedes just doesn't seem to have the right pace. And I think maybe that's going to be something they have to look at because when we got to the end of the race, boy, did it come alive. And if we'd had like two more laps that race, he probably is catching Perez and landing on the podium with low fuel load you know that was possible but something's not quite right in that car still it was very fast it is very fast it's still the second fastest car on the grid in my opinion i know the mclaren's now knocking on the door and that's their new challenge it's funny because for weeks it was like mclaren mercedes was going to be fighting alpine all the way through now it's definitely a mercedes mclaren fight which is ironic because it's still lewis hamilton's two teams but anyway that was a big one. First lap drama though continues further down the grid and I really do wish Tyler was here to have this conversation because back-to-back double DNFs for Alpine, just disastrous, disastrous. Zhao has a terrible start. I don't know if he had like a anti-stalled or something, but he had a horrible, horrible stop off the line. He's just being overtaken by Rudy because he's starting, I think he started up in fifth or something, and he's just dropping. And in doing so, he kind of created a little bit of chaos. He ended up rear-ending... Um, Daniel Ricardo. Daniel Ricardo made contact with the back of Gasly. Gasly takes his own teammate out. The contact with Esteban Ocon's car was so violent, it broke his seat, literally cracked the frame of his seat inside the, the car. That's how bad the damage was. Both cars limp back into pits, Gasly on three wheels, and immediately the, the mechanics take a look at both cars and like, yeah, no, they're done. We're done. We're out of here. They didn't even finish a lap. Terrible. Terrible, terrible uh, weekend for Alpine and a frustrating one. They're definitely having you know, a season to forget after such a great season last year uh, in so many ways. I don't think you can blame it on the drivers as much as just circumstance in, so, in some of it. Like when you have car failure or in this situation, you kind of just get caught up. Like those drivers are capable of better results than they're getting. And I think it's just starting to probably get to their heads and making them make – a bit maybe more aggressive decisions than they otherwise would, which I'm sure is frustrating, but you know, that's kind of where it's at Uh, another rough weekend too, for Ferrari, again, wishing Tyler was here to be able to dig in on this one because this weekend was like watching last season so many times over again on repeat where Ferrari would be in a good position to get some points, to do something, maybe challenge to the front. And then they would just sort of shoot themselves in the foot. In this case, it was, it was interesting because they had offsetting, strategies for tire at the beginning of this race signs starting behind Leclerc on softs. while Claire's on the mediums. And, and, and I'm, I'm thinking right away, I'm like, well, they've got to invert these cars and let signs go and try to attack Perez. Like he's got a chance to go and be aggressive here uh, early on in this race. If he doesn't do that, they're going to lose so much space between them and the teams in front of them. They're they're just going to be stuck relegated down here. And but they didn't do it. They didn't invert them. In fact, it sounded like at one point they suggested it and Carlos actually shot it down because he didn't think. I don't know. I, I Again, I'm just I'm perplexed by some of the decision making. Anyway, they come in for the pit stops and it's just like it. it, it it's a. Hur- he gets out. He's very frustrated. You can hear him on the radio. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too. But he he's just seething. And he's actually told basically to shut up by his by his um, engineer, who's like, we'll, we'll talk about it later. You know, and the like, "What do you mean? We'll talk about it later." It's like, "We'll talk about it later. Just please, let's not do this in public," because they're they're just dysfunction personified over there at Ferrari. So again, just adding on to it, the question I guess is like, is Ferrari getting sick of? of sort of the futility here and where do they start to fix it? We saw obviously Matteo Bonato was the scapegoat last year, but you can't tell me that that was the only problem. If the problems continue like this, like at some point they got to start looking at everybody in the mirror and say, do we have a driver issue? Do we have a, you know, an overhaul that needs to happen here in some other way? I would not be surprised if we saw some different drivers in, in Ferraris at the end of these drivers contracts. Um, I don't know who, and I don't know how, but we're going to find out shortly. But it's interesting to see for sure because apparently it's just like, it just feels so toxic to watch. You can just tell that they're not happy and they're not, it's just not going well. Um, But for me, I I think we should acknowledge a couple things. We don't usually talk about Max Verstappen. I don't like talking about Max Verstappen, but history was made. Nine straight wins this season, 12 overall, which breaks a McLaren record from back in the Art and Senna days. um, So 12 straight victories for Red Bull as a team. Phenomenal. Uh, congratulations to them. They do deserve that as they have built without question, one of the greatest race cars we've ever seen in the sport. Frustrating to watch if you're a fan of any other team, but it's just the reality of how the sport works sometimes. Um, and so credit where credit is due. So congratulations to them. And that is the end of our Max Verstappen segment. I would, however, like to talk about his teammate because Sergio Perez had a great bounce back weekend. Um, and actually, in the weekend itself, there was a bounce back because he spun out in in practice one, ended up in the wall, luckily was able to get the car put back together and they and they had a good weekend and he ended up qualifying pretty well, had to start a little bit further back than I think he would still like, but at least he made it out of Q1, which has been a fra- problem for him. Starts in P9, makes his way all the way up to finish on the podium. Definitely a, a classic Checo uh, race. We've seen so many times when he's been put back of the grid in a good car he's able to work his way up obviously his first ever victory a few years back um when he was driving for racing point back at that point if you remember it was the bahrain grand prix uh i believe it was the one roman grosjean uh, ended up in the wall in the serious fiery crash. And when that race restarted, Sergio was like at the very back. No, actually, I'm sorry. I may be wrong because they raced their back-to-back weeks. That was during COVID. So it may have been the other race. Regardless, it was in the desert and he started a race off, made contact, I think had a puncture, ended up at the back of the grid and then fought his way all the way up to first place. Phenomenal first win of this career. So it's kind of become like a cliche when you say Sergio Perez starting near the back, making his way up. Ninth isn't that far back. It's literally the middle of the grid, but he had to work through some very fast cars and George Russell was up in there. He had to get through the McLaren's eventually fantastic work to get through them. The Ferraris were up there. And then obviously uh, he, the only two he wasn't able to catch being Norris and his teammate, but a good weekend. And that is something that Perez will want to build on as he works uh, towards again, trying to reestablish himself in his relationship at Red Bull. They're not, they're very clear. They don't, anticipate moving on from him for at least another season or at least the beginning of another season. I should say Red Bull loves to leave your drivers in the dust halfway through a year, but for the time being, they seem like they will let bygones be got bygones. And as long as he can continue to drive relatively well, they'll keep him there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. He definitely will be happy though with the results from the Hungarian Grand Prix. So that's kind of all we've got here for you uh, on all of that. Let's give out some hardware really quickly again there's no one to debate here cuz Tyler's not here I know one of his picks for one of these so I will uh I will allow him the dignity of being able to at least assign one of these awards, but I believe he would agree with me on the rest of them. Driver of the day for me goes to Sergio Perez. He had the most work to do of anyone on the podium. And he did that. Uh, the other two guys had pretty clean air in front of them. Certainly Max did. In fact, it was funny. Lembiassi, his engineer came on at one point just to check that max was still there because it had been so quiet, but Perez had a very solid day, very good day. Ninth to third, Driver of the day. He was voted driver of the day, I should say, and also our driver of the day, Sergio Perez. Not so driver of the day. For me, this is easy, and I have to do it because uh, Tyler's not here to defend himself. This goes to Zhao. Zhao had a terrible start and ended up creating chaos that knocked out both of the Alpines, including uh, Tyler's boy, Pierre Gasly. It was just disaster for Alpine, but so not their fault. They did absolutely nothing wrong except start a race near uh, someone who was having an absolutely dreadful start to their day. And the worst part about it is Zhao finished the race. Zhao went on to continue to race while well, he'd knocked two other drivers out of there. And also, to be fair, probably impacted Ricardo's race because I'll bet you there was damage to his floor after taking that shunt from behind. Um, so difficult all around. But Zhao, you are not so driver of the day. A radio call goes to that radio call I mentioned with uh, Charles Leclerc. Uh, it was an, kind of an awkward one. Um I don't have the actual audio for you but I do have uh the transcript of it so I'll read it for you. Again this was following the pit stops and it was a bad pit stop um for Ferrari but Leclerc came out and he was in a difficult position. He basically said uh let's offset ourselves in terms of strategy. Like this doesn't make any sense. His response from the engineer was copy understood we can discuss that at the end and then Leclerc said what do you mean at the end? I've been stopping and again, he said, We're on it. We're on it. Okay. Basically trying to placate him, trying to shut him up because Charles Leclerc right now is a very frustrated driver and sounding very, very, very sour about uh, how it has been going for him. So our radio call of the day goes to Charles Leclerc. Overtake of the day. This one for me was a little bit more tricky because, like, you could almost just say, Hey, Norris and Piastri got the best overtake of the day by jumping over Lewis Hamilton and setting themselves up. But really Perez had some fantastic overtakes. And I think that the one for me that stood out and I know it stood out for Tyler was Perez, uh, under, and then around Russell to, to, to make the move that stuck eventually. And he was able to then climb up the table from there, but he had a little bit of a tour three corner fight with Russell, where they were kind of back and forth and, and Perez showed his experience in that situation and was able to get the job done to get the move done, uh, as it were. And, 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 set them up for success so for me that's that's i agree with you tyler i know that was your pick and that's overtake of the day that is our review of the hungarian grand prix i will be right back after this
1: the ordinary podcasting network is excited to announce that we have launched a merch store on our website the store is full of ordinary swag including t-shirts hoodies and hats you can pick out something awesome and support your favorite podcast today by heading over to ordinarypodcasts.com <coughs>
0: Okay. You know what time it is. It's time for mail. Okay. So first off, I'll I'll thank anyone who's still listening uh, to me just rambling on and on here for you. Uh, But uh, I'm going to answer a question that I'm going to later pose to Tyler as well, because I do think this is a really good question. This question comes from a listener, Tom. Uh, It's an interesting question, and it's a very sort of personal decision question, but his question is very simple. He said, if you could change one rule or regulation in formula one, just one, to make it more exciting or make it more competitive, which rule would you change? Um, And I'm sure Tyler's got some strong opinions on this, but I'll give you my answer for it right now, Tom. For me, I think that you should allow drivers more flexibility uh, in terms of pitstrop rules. Meaning... Currently, every driver must stop at least once uh, to change tires. Uh, And I think that that is dumb. I think that there have been examples recently even of drivers who are able to nurse a set of tires, let's say a hard set of tires, through an entire race, certain tracks. It's capable. You're able to do it. And being forced to pit strictly because of the rules, I think is dumb. It punishes drivers who are actually driving an incredibly skilled way of being able to maintain that tire. And if you could get through the entire race, the advantage you have of never having to pit is something you should have earned by how you conducted yourself and the way in which you drove. You've nursed those tires through. You clearly were making good decisions about when to be aggressive, when not to. That is a strategic thing. That is a skill thing. And I think that it shouldn't be punished. I think that I appreciate and understand the reason for the regulation about making everyone pit once because it's about not encouraging drivers to drive on unsafe tires. Um, But at the same time, this is motorsports. You're allowed to push it right to the edge. You should be allowed to push it right to the edge. And again, if a driver is capable of competing at a high level, on a single set of tires the entire way. Why are we? Why are we punishing them for it? And we had a good example of this recently. If you remember, and I'm sorry, I can't think of the exact race, but it was this year where we had, um, I think it was Esteban Ocon, who had gotten almost all the way through, and he was forced to make a like literally last second pit stop. He was going to finish the race in the pits, uh, and we almost had that collision with all of the 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 photographers in the pit he came in because they were already getting ready for like the podium ceremony, but he had to pit because he hadn't yet done it. And beyond just the safety part of that, like, I think that's dumb. He should have been allowed to finish the race on the single set of tires. It, it, frankly, you know, uh, there's probably some other award he should be winning for the fact like the Pirelli, the Pirelli thanks for being environmentally friendly award for not wasting rubber. Like he he'd managed to nurse those tires all the way through. Anyway, that's the first rule I would change just because I think it's dumb. Hope that answers your question, Tom, and I'll, I'll pose it to Tyler uh, next week as well, see what his opinions are. Okay, Tyler's not here to do our race um, preview, so I will do my absolute best. He has given me some great notes. Um, so, Tyler, I apologize in advance for absolutely butchering your signature segment. We are going to Spa. This is a classic, classic, classic Formula One track, one of uh, the most iconic and most uh, infamous. Obviously, we have also... Seen already this year, a fatality at this track. Um, So it's already been in the news a little bit. Uh, We will see what the weather conditions are because that is also always a factor, including in the safety of it. The first Grand Prix here was held in 1950. We had 44 laps, 19 turns, two DRS detection zones, long, long straights, very fast corners. And of course, as I mentioned, the weather is often a factor here at spa. We've had races with half the track is dry and half the track is completely soaked and rained on because of the altitude changes and because we basically are running through the inside of a forest. So it causes a lot of uh, strategic challenges for drivers and teams, I should say, in how they make their tire selection. Because for half the track, you may need enters. For the other half of the track, slicks will do. And it can be difficult to find that dry uh, line uh, on certain places and to get enough uh, moisture onto an inter tire and not have it overheat. So it, it can be an interesting factor. Guess what? Rain is expected every day starting today up until they leave the paddock on Sunday. So keep in mind it's early and things can obviously change. But right now it is looking like there's going to be some very wet weather. So this could be could be uh, one of those tracks where we could be looking to see if Max Verstappen and Red Bull's streak uh, is will will stay intact. Twelve wins in a row, and now every race moving forward, everybody on that paddock just wants to break their streak. This was the first race after the summer break last year. It will be the last race before the summer break this year. So that's an interesting little factoid for you. There was no rain last year. Sainz was on pole. First lap, Lewis and Fernando got into it uh, with Lewis's car going up over Alonso's. If you recall, he was actually airborne, broke the floor and essentially ended his race right there. Um, so the podium last year was Verstappen, Perez and Sainz. And as I mentioned, Hamilton did not finish. Neither did Bottas. So definitely a, a, um, a track that is always uh, full of drama, uh, a track that is always one I know personally I have circled on the calendar. I always look forward to it. And it's something that uh, one of those tracks, I'm sure many of the drivers uh, have mixed opinions on. I know we heard earlier, as I said, uh, Stroll with some very strong opinions about the safety of this track and whether or not it should be run as it is. It is round 13. It will go July 28th through july 30th it is the belgian grand prix at spa don't miss it and as i said tyler will be back after next race so uh i i again wish him all the best speedy recovery until then thank you everybody for listening we appreciate it if you haven't already you can check out the ordinary podcasting network at ordinarypodcasts.com lots of other shows out there to check out we really appreciate your listenership and if you enjoy what you're hearing please share it with your friends hit subscribe pass it along and you can follow us on Instagram as well. All right. Until next weekend.
1: Pitstop podcast is a presentation of the ordinary podcasting network. Thanks for listening.